Hey, No Stroke listeners. David and I appreciate you taking some time out of your day to listen to this episode. If you find our podcast valuable, we ask that you consider supporting us with a small monthly donation. You could head over to nostrokepod.com to become a supporter of the show and help David and I continue to create content for listeners in our stroke community around the globe. Now let's get to today's episode. This is the No Stroke Podcast with your co-hosts, David Dancero and Michael Garrow, helping you to support and thrive in life after stroke. Their podcast is designed for educational and community support purposes only and should not replace medical treatment and guidance of your own health professional team. Welcome to episode 44 of the No Stroke Podcast. I'm Dave Danstro. I'm here with my co-host, Michael Garrow. Good evening, Mike. How are we doing, David? We're uh, already through uh, January, first month of the year down. Yeah. Cold and, one. And a few great episodes already, So, and more to, yeah. more to come, one of them being today's. Absolutely. We, uh, we continue our Australian theme today um and we'll we'll uh we'll introduce our guest shortly i just uh want to you know i have to say mike in the news i know i'm wearing my bruins colors today but uh tom brady announces retirement again any thoughts Uh, we're doing australia's podcast here where we're talking american (laughs) football nobody knows well tom brady might be known but yeah yeah, whatever yeah yeah he he did it for, he announced his second retirement but yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, move on so yeah i think today's you know so as david said you know continuing the the australian theme here um you know where the last episode with steven and jeff you know i think really opened our eyes and hopefully some of our listeners as well um really to the challenges that are faced you know in in you know, rural parts of australia and just how rural most of that country is right um so yeah super interesting conversation there that we had with um both Stephen and jeff from the australian stroke alliance so if you haven't listened to that um please do tune back into to our previous episode to catch that um and it was actually i guess today kim melkin who introduced us to jeff and Stephen. so um kind of ties into perfectly to you know the work of Kim's so Kim Malkin is part of the Angels Initiative and a team lead for as a stroke program manager in Australia. Um, you know the the Angels Initiative is a fascinating or you know group that they've been able to to bring together. So it's part of um, an initiative under Boehringer and Angelheim, which is a German pharmaceutical company. It's really the brainchild of both Thomas Fisher, who soon to be, I think he just announced his retirement. So another loss here for, you know, the stroke community, but I'm sure he'll continue his legacy. Um, and, you know, his his partner in crime, Jan, let's see if I get this right. I just watched a six minute video on YouTube to how to, how to pronounce it correctly. <laughs> I will butcher it. Von der Merva. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> we'll see if I got that right. But um, Jan actually, you know, experienced firsthand. He was living in, you know, from South of South Africa, saw firsthand, you know, through family's experience. And Kim will speak to it more. Um, you know, the 
saw the firsthand experience of a family member who suffered a stroke and just that disconnect, right? And we speak mm-hmm. to it so much. Um, but what's really interesting is, you know, the same time that Jan experienced this in his family, Thomas was in Germany, you know, kind of sparking the idea for trying to bring care and improve care to acute uh, stroke treatment. So the the Angels Initiative is a global group. Um, they work, you know, we'll, we'll obviously be focused today on the work that Kim is bringing and supporting within the Australia market or Australian um, country. But, you know, their their work is across the globe, um, you know, really with these developing countries that have many of the challenges that you know, even we in America, like, you know, we do not have, you know, we could speak to 500 plus episodes of just how disconnected it here, mm-hmm. you know, carers here in the States. But what they're doing, you know, at a global level is really trying to improve access and access to care through establishing stroke ready hospitals, right? So they do this with consultants in each of these developing countries, kind of work with and be a, really that connector and a network for, you know, establishing one, the education. Um, we'll talk to Kim around some of the um, stroke simulation work that they do um, to really prepare when a patient comes in, you know, to time his brain, as we, you know, discussed in most episodes, but, you know, talked about in detail with uh, Stephen and Jeff in the last show. Um, and really their, their focus is to educate and get more of this access to care again when getting to that um, hospital that will have more opportunity for stroke stroke patients to get that quick door to needle time um, no matter where you are in the world so it's an amazing initiative um you know they're partnered with groups such as the world stroke organization the european stroke organization um you know have really grown this to a group. I think they have nearly 2000 hospitals involved in around 90 different countries um, that are submitting data to this, to their, um, to their group, which ultimately is going to help drive and, you know, expand, you know, their learnings, which would help, you know, in the delivery of care. So um, yeah, really excited to dive into this show. Um, You know, Kim again, brings great experience. She, as you'll, as you'll hear, uh, as we, you know, when we bring her in, Kim is, she's spent nearly, I think she moved over to Australia in 2004, but she is not, you know, Australian born. She's originally from Scotland, um, studied her undergrad in, um, in psychology, worked with autistic children growing up, you know, in her early career, and then made the shift to, uh, to BI and has been, involved in the angels initiative and and stroke care for nearly a decade. So yeah, just really important work happening with this, with the angels initiative. Um, You know, we'll dive deep into what's happening here in Australia, but as a whole, I think we're on a, we're on a roll here. We're starting with Australia, David, but let's, Mm -hmm. let's bring this global. There's like, I, I was looking at, you know, some of the colleagues of Kim and, you know, there's, there's folks working all over the world, really trying to drive, drive and improve access to care. So 
if they Thanks. they all have the energy and the passion that Kim has that you're gonna you're here and feel through the the microphone here um we'll we'll be on a, a solid course um this is also a first for us this is the first um podcast that had was temporarily <laughs> interrupted to a building evacuation for a potential fire so um <laughs> we um yeah. We really appreciate Kim's uh, um, willingness to um, come back to the mic after that bit of a scare. So um, this is uh, this is really great, um, great interview. Um, I, I really appreciate, uh, without giving it away, Kim's um, magic wand answer. So stay tuned for that. And uh, and I think we'll get into it. I just want to make sure you have your bags packed, Mike, and you are ready to go shortly after we get this one uh released right you're heading over to isc uh first trip to 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 isc for you is that correct yeah yeah so really excited um i'm gonna be at the international stroke conference in dallas um next week so february 8th through 10th um you know i already chatted with a few of our past guests so dr lester young from tufts medical center um, I know Khan from um, Hyperfine, there'll be a few folks there. I know Ste- Steven, Jeff will be, be in attendance as well as, um, you know, a group, a mind maze that we had an interview as well. Perfect. So yeah, it's going to be exciting, you know, be able to meet, meet some of our past guests, you know, in person um, and, and really be with, you know, the, the folks that, you know, we we've had the opportunity to speak with some amazing people, David, over the last you know year and a half, but there's so much change that's still needed. So I'm excited to be, you know, in the room and, and learn from these folks, make, make some connections and hopefully uh, stack up our guest list here for the rest of 2020. Absolutely. So bring your running sneakers. I was fortunate. I was able to get over there in 2020. So you're up, um, bring your mic, your running sneakers and uh, your enthusiasm and, um, Look forward to hearing who you bring to the mic over there. So perfect. All right. Well, let's get into it. Hi, Kim, and welcome to the No Stroke Podcast. Great to have you here. Great to be here. Thank you to you both for having me. And before we start, can I just congratulate you again, Michael, on your recent engagement? Oh, Very thank you. Thank you. You're going to make me <laughs> blush now. Thank you. Yeah, it was special. Um, you know, and we were in a country with I was I proposed in a country of a company that we're gonna be talking about today. So the origin of uh Boehringer and Eingelheim. So, you know, we're super, super excited to chat with you today, Kim. Um, you know, our most recent episode we chatted with um, Professor Jeffrey and and Stephen, who you were able to get us in contact from the Ameri- uh, from the Australian Stroke Alliance, who are doing really great work in this kind of pre-hospital phase. You know, getting you know imaging into an airplane, which is mind blowing. I think they made a few uh, name drops to Elon Musk and Starlink, so I think that's our next sponsorship <laughs> opportunity. But, uh, you know, I I've been following you know the work of the angels initiative um, and, and for a large pharmaceutical company like BI to be so aligned and, and focused within stroke care is, is unique. Right. Um, but, you know, I'd, I'd love for you to, you know, walk us through your back 
background because we're going to be talking about Australia today, but you're not actually origin from Australia. So we could we could cover that. Um, and then we'll get into the meat and bones of, you know, what you're doing in um, in Australia with the Angels Initiative. But let's start with you. Um, you know, bring us through your background and kind of what got you to the role with the Angels. Sure. Um, so obviously with my accent, you can tell I'm not Australian. So I completed my honours degree in psychology in Scotland. Um, and my, I guess, first taste of trying to create more inclusive healthcare was I worked with autistic children, their families and their communities, uh, trying to um, integrate them into society better through inclusion in mainstream schools, etc. Um, so I find my passion for, for healthcare and working in the community then and didn't love the weather in Scotland, so came out and travelled in Australia. Absolutely fell in love with the country, the diversity of it. And I was offered the opportunity to work with Boringer Ingelheim in 2005. And I think because they are a family-owned company, um, their mission to... Uh, improve the healthcare of, of patients and animals, but also to transform lives really resonated with me. But I've obviously been here for 18 years. So what's kept me here, I think, is more they're family owned. They, they genuinely think in generations, but also they have a number of initiatives that really demonstrates their social responsibility. And the Angels Initiative is one of those. So I have had a diverse career, to say the least, um, within Boringer, but this is without doubt the best job I've ever had. Uh, it's being part of something much bigger. Um, Ten years of my work in BI has been in stroke, and it's something I feel passionately about. Michael, you met your um, now fiancé through stroke, and I've, I met my husband through, through stroke, so it's something that... I live and breathe every single day and it's um, a job that I love. So that's, yeah, how I got to where I am. Now. Thank you, Kim, for sharing that and a great intro to your why and all the, you know, the great connections we, we've we had through this community and building this. Always, I'm always amazed how many interconnections are like that, that individuals meet and they find their why and they, you know, they, they, they get on a path that um, is empowering. And, and, and thank you for bringing another uh, view where I feel like we're on the Australian tour now. And, and I'm learning as we <laughs> go here, Mike has a little more international experience with this. So um, you mentioned the initiative, the Angel Initiative. Can you, can you talk specifically about the mission? And for those that aren't familiar with what, 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 what's it about? Sure. Thanks, David. Um, the missions, I guess, really simplified is more and better, but it's the same mission regardless of which country you work in across the world. And that is to increase the number of patients who are treated in stroke ready hospitals, but also to optimize the quality of care that um, is received in centers that already exist. So, I guess if you sort of think about it, the the big mission is to try and ensure that patients receive the best stroke care, regardless of where they are in the world. 
or where they are in that specific country. And to be honest, it's a really lofty goal. And David, you mentioned community there. The community is ridiculously important in this. This isn't something that can be achieved by a pharmaceutical company or some passionate individuals um, alone. So the partnership that um, has been created between the Angels Initiative, the European Stroke Organization and the World Stroke Organization, and then in turn in each country that we work in, um, we have partnerships with the local stroke organizations, with charities, and then individual hospitals. So as I say, it's not something that we can achieve alone. And a huge part of what the Angels Initiative is, is around growing that, growing that global network. So creating those connections and, and trying to make sure that we, we work together towards that common goal of improving, of improving stroke care. Um, so yeah, community, hugely important, common goal, purpose, all extremely important. Perfect. And, you know, I think, you know, that mission aligns to, you know, so many things that are, you know, when you look at stroke care that are just so essential, like at the, at the core of the, you know, access point, right. Cause you know, like we mentioned in our last discussion um, with Stephen and Jeffrey, it's like, you know, no matter where you have a stroke, it's still a stroke, right? But it's that access to care once it's ha- once that incident's occurred that's so disconnected across, you know, different geographies. And, you know, it, that's really where I'm fascinated by the work that you're doing, obviously, in Europe, Australia, but, in, you know, focused within some of these emerging markets as well, uh, or emerging, you know, regions or, across the world, should I say. Um and so maybe let, let's just backtrack quickly to, you know, we spoke about, you know, BI being a really, you know, the family owned business and kind of really, you know, having that passion for you know, supporting that lifestyle for, for patients. But it was the brainchild of, you know, two individuals who, you know, we you're, you're super fortunate to be able to work with. Um, so can you, let's just speak quickly on, you know, now the role of, Thomas going to be, you know, moving into his retirement, but, you know, the, you know, the work that Jan and him together have been able to launch with this Angels Initiative. Sure. Look, I think it's important to say that um, Boringer has had a long history and a long association in, in stroke, so over 20 years. And I actually met Jan when we were both working in the, the stroke prevention space. So many, many moons ago. Um, and he and Thomas were bo- both working in the stroke space um, when they were both impacted uh, family-wise by stroke. And Jan shares his story uh, because it's what drives him. It's what drove him to set up the initiative so back I think it was in 2000 and 2014 um, his mother-in-law had a stroke and despite the fact that her symptoms were recognized and they had her at a hospital within 30 minutes it took seven hours for the CT scan to be done so I mean what the listeners can see is you guys shaking your head. It, it is. It's, it's just awful to think that, that this happens. And that's in a developed country. So their family still lives 
with that and the consequences. She was a prominent teacher in her community and, and living a full life. And unfortunately, that story is not uncommon. So um, because of the associations in stroke, um, Thomas and Jan spoke widely with the European Stroke Organization and, and discovered that um, at that point in time, um, that a large majority of patients who went to hospital, so every 30 minutes in Europe, a stroke patient would die or would be severely disabled, not just because of their stroke, but because of the fact that they had been delivered to the wrong hospital. And they vowed that that was something that they wanted to change. And so that's the background of the ANGELS initiative, but also the partnership with the, the ESO and then the partnership with the WSO came later. Right. And, you know, I, I think it's, you know, interesting, again, when we look at countries like Australia, where you're focused now, right, that, uh, you know, many folks who might not be familiar with the LEA and, you know, the, the kind of vastness of Australia, I think Stephen said there's I can't putting myself on the spot now, but there's a point in the center <laughs> of Australia, Lake Alice something. Friend. Yeah. That is the size of France and Germany combined. Right. And it's just a large credit, like just kind of puts things into perspective, just the vastness and, and how, you know, rural parts of Australia are um, with two thirds of the population kind of being in those rural communities. Um, so when it comes down to, really the work that you're looking at, you know, from an, you know, from the Australian perspective, you know, talk to, you know, your role as a team lead, right, with this in Angels Initiative. So taking the hierarchy, hierarchy strategy of the Angels Initiative, um, and kind of being that team leader. Um, what are, what's kind of your focus right now? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Enjoying this episode, Mike and I would like to remind you we now have a show supporter option on our website. Follow the heart button to help support us and continue to make great content possible. We'll give you a shout out on the show too when you do. We appreciate your generosity. So, like in other countries, in Australia there is a huge inequity in the stroke care that you will receive dependent on whether you live in a regional or rural community or whether you live in a metropolitan um, city. So it's funny because when we first launched in Australia, there was this kind of, why are you launching in Australia? You work in developing countries. Australia is a developed country and it has some of the biggest names in stroke. But um, there is that huge inequity and in fact um, as Jeff and Steve said a third of our population lives in regional regional and rural communities they are 17% more likely to have a stroke but then they're also more likely to die or be left disabled because they don't have access to the stroke care that others have in their metropolitan areas. My mum has atrial fibrillation. She lives in a regional community and I know if she suffered a stroke that she wouldn't receive the treatment that she should because she's not close to a stroke-ready hospital. 
Um, so although we work with um, hospitals across all of Australia and in actual fact in other countries that are our neighbours as well, a lot of the work of my team, so Rob and Sam, are, is actually based in re regional and rural communities. And a huge part of what they do is to run what we call code stroke simulations. Um, and that is they go in and they will run a mock code stroke. So there's a, a patient um, who, I'll, I'll talk to the last one that we did, the patient, um, and then the ambulance comes, they do their entire process and then deliver that patient to the hospital. And then it's right through until the point that treatment choice would, would happen. And through that, there are observers, we're timing, we are looking at all of the processes that happen and identifying where those bottlenecks are. Um, now, I've just seen the fire engine and the sirens, and they're telling us to evacuate. So we're going to take a short break and we will be back with our conversation with Kim Malkin. Hey there, No Stroke listeners. Whether this is your first episode you've tuned into or you've been a loyal listener since episode one, Dave and I are super thankful you're choosing to spend some time with us today. A goal of ours this year is to learn more about our listeners. After today's show, head over to our new website, nostrokepod.com. That's K-N-O-W-S-T-R-O-K-E-P-O-D.com and choose an option in the drop-down titled, What's Your Connection to Stroke? If you have a topic or want to recommend a guest for the show, we've also made it easy for you to simply submit your feedback all on the new website. You could always reach out to David and I personally through our social channels or via email, and all those contact details, including the new link to the website, can be found in the show notes. Thank you. Now let's get back to today's show. All right, and we're back here with, with Kim Melkin. Uh, we had to have a little pause for a fire drill, a, a literal <laughs> fire drill, but we luckily nothing is burnt down. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's all right. Hey, there's a first for everything. Um, we gave, yeah. gave Kim a moment to catch her breath. I don't know how many stairs you had to climb, but we're back. We're back. And, you know, before the break, we we're talking around how one of the areas of focus for you guys, you know, within the Australian market and, you know, in other areas that you work are running these stroke code simulations, right? So, really to emphasize that point of what you were saying to, you know, improve the care at these stroke centers, right? So, you know, putting, putting the nurses, the doctors, everyone who's, you know, managing that care in a real life scenario to try to increase, you know, that speed and, and access to, to door to, you know, door to needle time. So super fascinating stuff there. And another area that you guys are focused on is around, you know, clinical education, right? So taking these learnings and expanding them um, into other hospital groups. So do you want to kind of bring us through what that work looks like? Sure. Um Education is certainly one of the key pillars of ANGELS. Um, we have a global website for healthcare professionals, which has a ridiculous amount of education there. 
uh, in Australia, again, having worked within the community, we managed to identify specific challenges here. And one of those um, was actually highlighted by somebody, Stephen Jeff Trend, um, who is now a prominent uh, stroke neurologist himself, Professor Mark Parsons. Um, and a few other physicians were talking about the fact that in Australia, one of the big issues is out of out of hours care. So if you go to hospital with a stroke within sort of office hours, you are likely to be treated better than if you go to a hospital out of hours. And that's even more um, sort of emphasised within regional and, and rural areas. So part of the issue is that the stroke care is taken over by um, trainees and, and basic physician trainees. And what we discovered is that there is no mandatory trainer. So these basic physician trainees are sent into regional and rural areas to work, but they've never had, or few of them will have, uh, really clear training uh, around stroke, so the confidence levels to actually be able to diagnose and know what to do or what information they needed when they call up the physician on call was extremely low. So that was something that we worked together with the Australasian Stroke Academy and specifically um, Dr. Liz Pepper and Associate Professor Andrew Wong kind of led the charge with a steering committee who created the content for an online self-directed module and then two face-to-face -face modules that would be run by stroke neurologists specific to BPTs. Uh, but further to that, I mean, one of the keys for me is that everything that we should we do should be sustainable beyond us. So there's no point in us investing in, in programs that only run because we're behind it all and we're driving it the whole way. So we're working with a couple of the um, state health services uh, to make this mandatory for BPTs. So the hope is that there will be mandatory stroke training for basic physician trainees and, and they will be confident when they go into these metropolitan or regional or rural. So that's the physician side. I'll go on to the nurses. <laughs> Side yeah, no, it's fascinating. I, I, no, I, I, I just, you know, from another theme of what we pulled out of a podcast that we, uh, our last, uh, the guests we had before, um, Stephen and Jeffrey, um, a P, you know, very well known PT here, um, stateside, Mike Strude, who spoke something very similar to what you're saying and what you guys are trying to do around you know, that specialized training for stroke, you know, from a, from a provider level um, with doctors and nurses, he spoke to his, um, and we'll get to yours, magic wand, right? His mm -hmm. magic wand question what, or answer was, you know, he really hoped that, you know, in the future, you know, PT, a stroke survivor wouldn't be treated by a PT who never has dealt with a, a stroke patient before, right? So it's that, you know, unique understanding of neuroplasticity and what's, you know, the complexity of what stroke rehab looks like for most, um, you know, so it just cool to kind of tie that 
together to you know the other yeah. side as well right it never ceases to amaze me that despite how prevalent stroke is that the education around it and the focus and the investment into it isn't greater than than what it is um I'm, I'm going off tangent, which is something I always do. But one of the things that, um, again, Jan recognised was that, obviously, stroke is, is very much under-recognised. So you have fast, the fast signs of stroke, but most people don't know them. And in fact, in, in Australia, I think it's only 36% of patients will arrive to hospital in time for treatment. And most of the time it's because they don't recognize it. So there's a program run by angels and the WSO called Fast Heroes. And it's about teaching school children the fast signs so that this is something that continues through their life that if they were in the presence of their grandparents and something were to happen, that they would recognize a stroke or at least know some questions to ask to determine whether it's a stroke. And we've seen some of the benefits of that in some countries with, with children actually phoning the emergency line because they've learned the fast signs. So yeah, it, stroke patients or people who suffer from stroke, it, the amount of people that are involved in their entire journey is incredible. Um, and, and afterwards as well, one of my friends had a massive stroke, very young, um, so in her 20s, and they were going to put her into an old, an old, nowhere to care for them. So just there is so much work to be done, but that ability to sort of hone in on things that, I guess, impact and turning those insights into action is what. I guess we are trying really hard to do with our partners. Kim, um, I just have to get the name of that program again for the early intervention for the school age children. Um, it's called Fast Heroes. Is you 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 made my heart kind of jump there because um, when I had my stroke in my thirties, I had three children under the age of seven. And I could not find materials that were age appropriate mm -hmm. to not make stroke education seem scary. And they were just, um, it, it really was a, a mission of mine early on to try to change that. So I'm so, that is, you know, the best outcome is to prevent that first stroke or get that fast action to intervene Absolutely. quicker and get to that, you know, the, the, the appropriate care. So I'm, so I'm going to have to, we're definitely going to put that in the show notes. I want to, I want to um, make sure we, we get information out there. Um, and it's often not easy when all the hard work you're doing um, to give yourself a little recognition and a little pat on the back with all the hard work, but you do, you, 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 we didn't bring it up. You, I don't think you would bring it up that there you, you, you and your team at the Angels initiative have uh, received some prestigious awards recently. And um, can you tell us about the WSL award in particular? Sure. You don't mind talking about that? Sure. I know that um, Steve and Jeff um, spoke to the award, but um 
yeah, the award win, uh, the initiative wins lots of awards, some of them locally, but the WSO award was, uh, and I know that they said game changer gets used <laughs> frequently, but certainly for us, it was a game changer. It was the, um, the first time that uh, an industry had been awarded the Stroke Services Award uh, by the World Stroke Organization. And what was it? I, I actually wrote it down here. So Werner Hackey, who was the president of the WSO at the time, said, the ANGELS initiative has done more for the development of acute stroke care in low to middle income countries than any international program. I mean, I get teary reading that because it's like, they really, the passion of all of the people who work on this initiative is intense. <laughs> like everybody loves their job. They love what they do. And I think this award, more than anything, exemplifies what can be done when industry and the healthcare systems actually work together. So to be recognized for the value that we bring outside of being clinicians, et cetera, is, is really heartwarming. Um, and yeah, hats off to, to Jan and, and Thomas for driving this from the outset. And, you know, sad to see Thomas leaving here for announcing his retirement, but, you know, a nice way, I'm sure, to kind of come full circle with, with his work. Um, you know, and I you know, maybe, you know, we'll have a chance to speak with Thomas or around, you know, the work he's done and, and kind of his, you know, let him kind of share his thoughts on his career. Um, but just, you know, with with the focus of, you know, this continuing to be uh, work that will never probably stop. Right. Um, you know, I don't think we'll ever get to the holy grail of stroke care across the world. Um, but, you know, when you think of you know, some of the top priorities and, and things that are going to be impacting you like in the next two, three years. I mean, what what's some exciting projects that you have lined up um, that you'll be working on? Um, so, wow, where do I start? Specific to uh, what myself and my team uh, with uh, Sam and, and Rob, we... I mean, we are one of the newest launch countries. Mm -hmm. So we're just, and, and we launched during lockdown. So we created um, the education with um, the Australasian Stroke Academy. Uh, we're working with the Acute Stroke Nurses Education Network at the moment on a 20-hour online, uh, fully interactive nurse program. So any nurse who's working in stroke can jump in free of access uh, free access it's hosted on the asnan website because we want it to be sustainable beyond us so um, people can jump in there and and do that um, so education is a, a huge component and we did that during lockdown and now we're out of lockdown our major focus is code stroke simulations so we've run um, we managed to run when hospitals opened up at the end of last year, six in the last quarter of last year. And that will be a major focus for us is really identifying those bottlenecks. But uh, we are working with Alice Springs, which I think um, 
Steve and Jeff alluded to yesterday because they are they're looking to set up a stroke unit and I mean we're not clinicians but what we do is facilitate those networks so being able to talk to them about what's worked well in other regional hospitals that we're working with um, to put them in contact with people who can share cultural protocols or go out and visit and and help them set up and this afternoon actually uh, we have a meeting with Papua New Guinea so a neighbour of ours um, and they are in a very very different situation they have a CT scanner that often doesn't work they've never thrombolized a patient because they've never had a patient arrive in the time but they have just set up a stroke working group with all of the terms of reference and they are moving forward and it's a really exciting time to be starting on this uh, journey with them so those are some of our kind of exciting um some of the exciting work that we're doing this year that's super cool um you know and just being able to you know see and support you know these emerging markets with, with some of your learnings and then you know what fascinated me with our discussion with Stephen and Jeffrey is like, you know, the obviously how rural Australia is, like being able to take these learnings and really help scale other countries and get everyone up to speed, you know, to to try to, you know, improve this access to care and, and drive your mission forward has to be, you know, and and you spoke to it, everyone being so passionate about their work. But like I for someone to have stroke impact their lives and and be working on this every day can't think of a you know more rewarding career so must be super fun to kind of be in your shoes every day and until yes. you have to go downstairs for a fire drill but um <laughs> <laughs> just keep you safe well, well in case mike in case there's another one let's um i, I do want to i am gonna um hand the magic wand over to you mike to and i know kim is well prepped for this right I'm, I'm, <laughs> uh, but i how uh, how can listeners um so we can you know if you want to give a shout out how to how to how can listeners um you know get to the angels initiative uh resources is there a website or something you want to include and we'll put in the show notes um Obviously, we have the Angels Initiative website, which is really set up for healthcare professionals and stroke teams. So if um, there's a stroke team that just wants to look at um, how other hospitals have gone from two hours door to needle times or door to therapy times or how other hospitals have um, sort of improved their processes, then the Angels Initiative website is the best place to go. Um, to learn more if you're not a healthcare professional, there's lots uh, on the Boringer Engelheim website that, that talks to what it is that we do um, and some of the other projects that uh, we do in terms of our sustainability, sustainable development for generations. Perfect. So we'll get both of those in the show notes. Uh, and any yeah. events or anything that you guys will be at in the next um, So... The European Angels will be at the European uh, Stroke Organization Conference because a huge component of uh, the success is recognizing hospitals through quality monitoring. So obviously hospitals really need to collect their data 
in their times, etc., to be able to see where they're not doing well and then improve on them. So the European Stroke Organization um, have awards. And uh, so the Europeans go there and then we go to the World Stroke Organization towards nice. in Canada. So hopefully nice. we Toronto, will have some... right? Toronto. Yeah. Tight, yeah, that'll be nice. Hopefully we'll yeah. see you there. Um, cool. So, yeah, let's let's roll into this. Uh, you know, last question famously asked, you know, we, we at least mark it as being famous. We'll, we'll take it. There's a few, we've seen a few other podcasts now kind of steal our thunder with this I, magic wand. I won't I, mention I, name. I won't I, mention name. I noticed that. Name. Notice that, Mike. <laughs> so, you know, Kim, you know, you've, you've been working, you know, kind of moved from a, a career in social work, you know, from, you know, Scotland, you've got sick of the weather. It's been, you know, an amazing career to date for you. And you've been able to work with this stroke population for many years now under an organization who's really empowering you to do this and your team to to make this change and work and kind of be those connectors um, for the for the system. So, you know, using that knowledge and your background and, you know, the connections that you've made over the years, um, if we were to hand you a magic wand, you know, how would you take that magic wand and not only maybe change stroke care here, you know, from an Australian perspective, but in these geographies that you guys work across as well? Yeah, look, I thought long and hard about this question because obviously redesigning the stroke pathway or, or trying to improve the stroke pathway is something that we do day in, day out. It's what we look at. But, um, I have to say, like 80% of strokes are preventable. And I know the whole, like, if you had a magic wand, you wouldn't, you'd make it not happen. And I know the magic wand isn't that magical, but 80% of strokes are preventable. And I think the issue in our healthcare system is, to some degree, the pressure that's put on primary care in that prevention space. So much like every other country, GPs who are the absolute backbone of um, prevention and chronic disease management are absolutely just under the pump. So nobody really goes to their GP for wellness because you have to be sick to go because you know that you're just adding to their workload. So if I had a magic wand, it would be to somehow have wellness clinics where there is screening. So of those 80% preventable strokes, 90% of those strokes come from 10 risk factors. So if we were screened early and it was part of our culture as a society to actually go to these places to be screened and look after ourselves early on, um, and we could prevent them in that way. That would be my magic wand, I think. That, that, that team. Yeah, it, that's a brilliant answer because it, the best, the, if, you, if you're not taught how to build a resilient brain and to know how to prevent, the, the wellness part is just not part of the equation. And it makes me just reflect quickly on like Pam Duncan's interview that we did a couple episodes mm -hmm. back that, the association between high blood pressure and high and 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 just ma managing hypertension 
it, it was, it, I think like three quarters of the folks that they um, interviewed after didn't even understand that there was an association between high blood pressure and stroke. And it's one of the top, you know, top Absolutely. risk factors. So thank you for, for that. I could tell you put some thought into that and, and thank <laughs> you so much resonates with and, me uh, as a as a health professional that resonates with me with 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 the current medical model so thank you and a shameless plug as an employee of cvs health you know there there is a cvs within seven minutes of everyone in the united states at least so mm. if you are looking for these wellness exams again shameless plug to cvs but you know i think that's like to even say that though right you know we we do. And there's a big reason, you know, outside the podcast, I, you know, my full-time job is with CVS health and you know, that a big reason I'm with them is because we, they're so tightly knit to the community, right. It's accessible, but you know, I think to add another layer of complexity is like, if we put a wellness clinic, at, you know, the bot outside of everyone's front door, it's the motivation for them to go in. Right. And and that you know that's the 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 motivation trying to find that intrinsic you know pain point for them to to say all right I need to go do this so um, but no fascinating answer um, and you know it's been really really enjoyable to to chat with you today Kim you know obviously had a bit of the first time ever fire fire drill midway <laughs> through the chat but you know this is <laughs> I like to be we, we got through it. <laughs> Perfect. It's well, been an absolute you know. pleasure. Thank you so much to both of you for for having me as part of the interview and to be able to to discuss the angels. It's something that I'm personally very proud to be part of, and I know we speak on behalf of everyone who works on the Angels Initiative that we this is a joy for us. So if people want to get involved, love to hear from. Thank you, Kim. It's been our pleasure. Thanks, Kim. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the No Stroke Podcast. Be sure to tune in each week for more knowledge on stroke recovery in the brain with tips, technology, and interesting stroke thriver interviews where they share their success to enable you on your own healing journey. Make sure to hit the follow button on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to our show. Mike and I will love to ask you to rate and review our show to enable us to grow our audience. Please check the show notes to follow us on social so you can connect and reach out to find more about advertising with us or becoming a guest on our show. Until next time, stay well, keep the faith, and keep moving forward.